What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Eric Huberman here with us. Eric Huberman is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, the fastest growing marketing consultancy in the United States. Launched in 2014, Hawk Media has been valued at $75 million and has grown from seven to over 150 employees in three locations. The company has serviced over 2,000 brands of all sizes. Hawk Media has taken home numerous industry awards, including inclusion on the Inc. 5000 2020 list of fastest growing companies, Fortune Magazine's 50 Best Workplaces in Southern California, and Huberman was named the International Business Awards Entrepreneur of the Year in the field of advertising, marketing, and public relations. With that being said, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, share this episode with a friend, and enjoy today's episode with Eric Huberman. All right, what is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Eric Huberman here on the show, the CEO of Hawk Media. Thanks so much for coming on, Eric. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. So Hawk Media, man, where did this begin? You guys are crushing it. You're a Forbes 30 under 30 member, and I've been following you for the past couple of months, and I'm super impressed from your story and your success. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, it really came from, you know, I built a couple brands in my 20s and always hated the experience working with agencies or trying to hire marketers. And once I sold my last company, I started just advising and consulting for a bunch of brands and saw that it wasn't just me, that everyone had this pain point of like really easily accessing great marketing talent and wanted to find a way to fix that. It wasn't some, now it sounds like a bigger, like bigger picture idea, but that really morphed over time. Originally it was just like, this sucks. I need to go build a team so these guys can actually get help with the things I'm advising on. And so started with my little SWAT team of marketers that could go in and help these companies and then just started growing. And so you know, what are we almost seven years old? We've grown from the original seven people on that SWAT team to about 170 people. Wow. Very cool, man. So 170 people now, seven years later. And yep. you said you sold your last company. What company was that for the people that may not know? Yeah. So I've sold past two. Uh, the first one was called Swag of the Month. It was t-shirt subscription company, like pre-dollar shave club and that whole subscription okay. e-commerce phase. So had some clout in there and then yep. joined Science the Incubator that launched Dollar Shave Club right after they did and helped them uh, with their portfolio, but really helped pivot a, a vitamin company into an activewear brand called Ellie. And we had like basically a subscription uh, women's activewear brand as Lululemon kind of hit peak in yep. terms of like when every single woman in the world was just wearing that around. So we, uh, yeah, we jumped on a really solid sort of trend that company skyrocketed. We sold it to Bowie Total Fitness after a year. Wow. And that's when Hawk started. Yeah. Very cool, man. So where did this even begin? Your drive for launching brands, starting companies? Did you go to college? Where are you from? Where did this all start? Yeah. So sitting here now, actually, I'm from Ojai. I was born in LA, but moved to Ojai when I was six, small town, North LA. And uh, we, yeah, my dad's an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur. So I was just grew up thinking that's what you do. Yep. And uh, I remember like at six years old, I ran around my parents' house and grabbed things I thought they didn't need anymore. And then literally walked door to door and sold them to my neighbors. So I actually <laughs> I tried the door to door sales at yep. six years old, just on my own. Um, and then you know, did the lemonade thing, sold flowers out of my mom's garden that I'd pick and go sell on the side of the road and 
loved running in front of cars to stop them because I knew I was young enough that car they wouldn't hit me and they would <laughs> feel bad and they like they didn't want to say no to me. Yeah, and uh, that was always good. And then I remember at eight, I decided I wanted to be a professional guitarist and I wanted to get an electric guitar. And I told my dad, and he looked at me and said, "Good, get a fucking job." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I will." And so I started buying and selling Beanie Babies, and that okay. was really like the first success that I had. I made a few thousand bucks as an eight-year-old trading Beanie Babies. Yep. Those things are and going for a lot now. <laughs> I still have a few. I got to actually like see if any of them are worth anything. Okay. I just moved and I found a box with like, I, at one point I had like 85, 90 oh, of wow. them and now okay. I have like six left, but okay. I've had them for, what is that? 26 years. So okay. yeah, be interesting to see what they're worth at this point. Um, God, I'm getting fucking old. Anyway. <laughs> Love it. So, so yeah, so did that. And then it was just, it was always something like I was always scheming and thinking. And every time I took a job, it was to learn something, whether it was the discipline of working or an actual skill that was always in my head from a young age was like, that's why you take jobs is to learn something to then eventually do it on your own. Yep. I love that. Um, speaking on Hawk Media, I know you guys have worked with dozens of brands. Like what would you say is the go-to marketing strategy for brands, especially this year in 2020 with everything that has happened, people are not working at the office. Like, what do you think is the key to marketing this year in 2020? Well, 2020, the only thing that I would say changed a lot is uh, e-commerce can't be ignored, but it wasn't by the smaller yep. brands. Big brands were ignoring it in some ways, but like e-commerce over 2X in the past yep. six months. So, and it hasn't really subsided. So it, you know, it went from 13% of share of consumer spending to 30 in Q2, back down to like 27 in Q3. So it's still over double. And uh, yeah, I think that that, you know, so the stuff we do, we do a lot of e-commerce, a lot of digital, it just got better. It was easier. You know, yep. all the big, a lot of the big brands that cause advertising to get more expensive because it's all a bidding system, they pulled out. And so the cost to advertise went down 30%. The market share over doubled. Like it was if you were in e-commerce and had a decent product in the past six months, you you crushed it. Consumer yeah. spending only declined in things like travel and leisure and hospitality. They didn't decline in consumer goods. So that's what we've seen. Um, so it's really just doing the stuff that we've always done, which is like Google marketing, Facebook, influencer, email marketing, SMS, chatbots, you know, good content, building, really holding on to your customer is important. But the stuff we've been doing for years, honestly, like there wasn't some new innovation. I think TikTok's coming, but it's not there yet. Really? In, yeah. ter in, ter in terms of paid advertising on the back? Right. Yeah, they just haven't. And it's not because of the platform. It's they haven't built a good ad product yet. Yeah. The targeting stuff isn't there yet. But once it is, TikTok, I think is going to crush it. Very cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. So on your website, it says you're outsourced CMO. Like When you're working with brands, how vetted is it? I know on the site you've worked with some amazing brands, Red Bull, K-Swiss, Alibaba. And when it comes to working with these clients, is it certain campaigns that you guys work on or how can a, a more boutique brand work with you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, that's frankly a little misleading. We're, we work with our, our mission statement, accessibility to great marketing for everyone. Our fees start at $1,500 a month. So Got it. You know, yes, we work with massive brands because we're good at what we do. And as I said, it's accessibility to great marketing. So yep. we we are definitely, you know, top tier in terms of how we execute, but we also try to keep it accessible. So we work, we've, uh, you kind of mentioned uh, before that we've worked with dozens of brands that answers. We've actually worked with over 3000 brands. At this oh, point. wow. Um, yeah, it's, we, you know, we are constantly bringing in new brands, trying new startups, helping launch new companies. That's a big part of our business. And then we also work with some of the big guys too. Yep. 
Very cool. When working with all these brands and scaling the team over the last seven years, what has been the most important ingredient to scale at the level in which you have? Uh, I'd say the biggest one is just, you know, doing the right thing for the right reasons. It's reputations, everything. And so we have built a good reputation of doing great work and be doing right by people. And, you know, even I dealt with this yesterday, like mistakes happen when you're dealing with people always like the same way I was just talking about this yesterday, actually, which is a world-renowned heart surgeon that's like known as one of the best heart surgeons in LA made a mistake on a friend of mine's dad. And now they're all talking about, oh, don't go to him. He made a mistake. And the guy's probably performed, you know, tens of thousands of heart surgeries. Like, yeah, at some point human nature kicks in and you're going to make a mistake. So mistakes happen. It's how you handle them. And we try to really treat our, you know, we've, I've always thought of our business like a restaurant and in the restaurant business, they talk about pre-social media, a bad experience will reach 252 people. And so the, the key is to make sure that every bad experience is handled really delicately because, or you're going to lose shitload of customers and good experiences don't spread that fast. And we've seen that, you know, the moment yep. someone has a bad experience, they're going to Google, at, you know, or Facebook or <laughs> Yelp or whatever. And everybody that we've crushed it for companies that we've taken from 30 grand a month in revenue to 5 million a month in revenue. I'm speaking about one specifically that we're working with now. That guy's never written a good review for me. He's happy, <laughs> but I can, I had a call with him yesterday and his call wasn't about like, thank you so much for everything you've done. It was, well, how the fuck are we going to double this month? Yeah, You know, like yeah, that's, that's, that's sure. the nature of a growth focused CEO. I'm the same way and it's totally fine. But like, you have to know that you have to really treat the uh, bad experiences delicately, treat the good people and keep them with you and just treat people well, your employees, your clients, everything. Like if you do good there and then, then it comes down to doing great work honestly. So it's reputational, doing great work. And then, you know, on top of that, what I think been a key to our success too, is we do both of those and we have no barrier to entry. It's, we have, we're month to month, a la carte, super straightforward with how to work with us. So we're really good at what we do, but we don't make it hard to try us. Love that. What would you say this year has taught you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a couple of things. One taught me to have a plan. Um, <laughs> I never like it's it, it would have been a lot less stressful in March if I had, you know, just some sort of rough idea of like, if our revenue drops X, Y, Z, we do this, if it drops this, like now I have that plan, but I yeah. didn't. And so I had to spend the first two weeks of COVID scrambling and like working day and night to try to figure out what is our backup plan, because I had just expected trends to hold. And like most businesses run on forecasting and trends, you know, we know that based on historical data, this is what happening when something like COVID happens, that all goes out the window overnight for sure. And so number one was have contingency plans for what to do, because if not, because we didn't end up figuring it out, but because uh, it would help me sleep better at night or it's just like, well, this is what we do in these situations. Like this is, we have a plan. We're good. We just a, B or C and we got to that point, but it took two weeks. So those two weeks sucked. Um, And then I'd say number two, stay on offense was the biggest thing I learned from all my successful friends. Um, what we saw work, like so many people have fucked themselves in COVID because they got, they played scared, you know, e-commerce companies that pulled back. We had a, a furniture client, great furniture company, decide to cut all their advertising spend in March and April, when now it's been the biggest home buying market in history of the United States. Yeah. Every, it's been the best, e- and he's all e-commerce, best e-commerce and just, you know, uh, best e-commerce uh time ever and so like we we have other furniture clients they're literally fucking skyrocketing 3x 4x what they were at the beginning of the year and he pulled out because he was scared because he said i've been through a recession before it was literally what he said to me wow that is so fucking stupid you have all the data (laughs) in the world saying don't do this and you're trying to look around a corner which doesn't exist 
And yeah. so you know, the fear of the boogeyman kind of thing yeah. that really is not the way to run a business. And that's, that's crazy, man. Speaking on, um, I, I've been seeing a lot recently. The I saw you did a podcast with Gary Vee. You just launched the Hawk Talk podcast. Where did this idea for a podcast come about? I've been a podcaster for three years, so I always like to ask, well, you know, why yeah. people are getting involved with it. Yeah, uh, honestly, it's it's two things. Uh, like, I, listen, a podcast is another avenue to market ourselves and to build content and media and build our audience, so to speak. So there was a reason to look at it as just an overall medium and channel for the company, but. So we always thought about it, but I also wouldn't create something unless there was value there. So yeah. I was like, I'm not just gonna, like, I try, I actually recorded a few different podcasts before this, where I, I recorded something I called Making the Marketer, where I started asking about how people got into marketing. After like five episodes, I realized it was really fucking boring. I'm not gonna go <laughs> down that path. Um, then we we had another one that was my, one of my team members interviewing different clients. And that was actually pretty cool. And I think we might kick that off at some point again too. Yep. And then my head of sales just wanted to have like a comedy podcast because he actually ran the number one radio show in Portland. I'm going to bring that back. But with everything else going on, it was just too hard for him to stay on it. And so then I was like, all right, well, I know all these really cool people because of what I do and just being in LA and being in the network yep. that have nothing to do with my business, but are really fucking impressive. Like, and a lot of them have been on the podcast, but guys like Colin O'Brady that, you know, hiked across Antarctica and people like that. Like, I know these guys, I'll never work with them. Like Colin and I have nothing to do professionally. Yeah. <laughs> He's sponsored by uh, what's the Canada goose and a few other companies and he, you know, does crazy adventures. There's not really, like, maybe I can bring him a sponsor, but there's not a lot to do together, but I want to tell his story. And so to me, like, again, our mission is to create accessibility, great marketing, but our true purpose in a sense is to like help people succeed, help companies succeed to grow businesses. And so taking people that are at the top level in their industries and introducing them to, you know, showing an audience like this is how they got there. And this is the path that is our job is from a business standpoint is to take them from, you know, small to great. Yep. And these are people that went from small to great in some sense. And so I like the, you know, the alignment on the brand and the storytelling, and then an opportunity to actually tell the stories of all these cool people I meet along my way was really where it came from. Very cool. What's your predictions as a marketer on the future of the podcast industry with everything that's been going on the past year with different acquisitions and, you know, it, it's grown a lot the past 12 to 18 months. So it's like, what's your yeah. thoughts as a marketer? Yeah. I, I mean, I really am bullish on audio. I, I think that from a marketing perspective, I think people are sick, especially now like Zoom's gotten old. People are sick of staring at screens yep. and I think podcasts and other audio things, uh, Clubhouse, I'm sure if you're yep, familiar yep, with it. Absolutely. I'm on yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. Same. And I think like that, you know, they're going to go through some different growth growing pains, but I think like these different platforms that allow people not to stare at their screen, but still engage with people and still hear information, all that I think is awesome. I, I really do think that you know, I think the next version of Clubhouse, I talked about this. I tried to get a, one of my college friends that's a developer to build this seven years ago. <laughs> we actually had a name for it and everything. We we're going to call it Soapy, um, like standing on your soapbox. Okay. And I think think TikTok meets Clubhouse where it's pre-recorded, bite-sized, talk, someone talking, yep. but just it could be a blip of a song or it could be someone just the news of the day or whatever and allow people. And the reason I liked it was when people are commuting, I was like, I don't want to listen to the radio anymore. Yeah. I don't want to listen to the talk show. I want to hear like, I want the same digestible, like bite-sized information I get from scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, but without having to look at my phone. So I think yeah. that's coming too. And I think all of it's going to be really interesting. We also invest, we have our venture fund. We invested in Instramatic, which is speech advertising. So as you get into audio, you also can get into interactive audio where you can actually talk to it. So as that that technology, I think, is really awesome, and they're powering a lot of major apps already. And as you can actually create 
engaging advertisement through speech that you have to stare at it. I think it just becomes, there's a whole interesting side to that that hasn't been capitalized on. Yeah, that's very interesting, man. And moving into like you as an individual, when you started as an entrepreneur, a lot of young people listen to this show, hence Rise the Young. What's your advice of what you've learned up to this point and what advice would you give to an up and coming entrepreneur that's starting their first company today? Sure. A uh, few things. One, it, it, be careful to like do it for the wrong reasons. Like if you, this has been something I've been on a soapbox about a lot recently. And I brought up a few years ago, which is like, if you're doing this because you think buying a Lamborghini is a sign of success, <laughs> you're going down the wrong fucking path Yeah, because things happen like in March, like I lost a lot of money in March, April of this year. I spent money to run my company and yeah. that's what you go through. Like, don't get me wrong. And overall I'm coming out just fine, Yeah, but it's, you have to be in it for the right reasons. Cause if you're not, you'll fail. Like you will, it, it gets hard sometimes you do, It's not always glitz and glamor as an entrepreneur, you know, and Gary V actually said something at a talk. I think it was like 2015. He said something uh, when we were talking that I thought was just poignant, which is, you know, on, being an entrepreneur is eating shit and your ability to swallow that shit will tell you how successful you are. Like <laughs> as a business owner, you will always deal with the biggest problems of the business because every, all the other problems won't trickle up to you. Yep. So your job is to literally deal with that. And so to be in it for, uh, and again, buying a fucking supercar, like those things cost less than my assistant makes my, you know, she honestly, <laughs> my lowest level employee cost me more a month than a supercar would cost me. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that that's a sign of success is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So I, you know, for young people, we can get into it, do it because you're, you love it. And then make sure you're actually creating value. Cause I see like my industry is chock full of kids that, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old that have never marketed anything and start their first marketing agency. Yeah. And they don't know like how this actually plays out. They don't have, and may, listen, there are some prodigy kids that actually probably do a great job, but a lot of people are just think it's a quick way to make cash because they watch too many Gary Vee videos. Like, <laughs> you gotta, you know, provide value. And there's ways to provide value when you're young. There's not a, uh, yeah, there's ways to provide value in young. There's, it's not, there's no like, you don't have to be a certain age. It's just more like make sure that's actually happening and don't be afraid to work for someone else early on to learn. Because like, I think the average successful entrepreneur is something like 42, which I'm 33, by the okay. way. My birthday's almost coming up, so I stuttered. Um, but uh, it's the, it, so you can start young, but like really find a way to create that value. Like my, my first business I started, or actually I even helped start a business when I was 19 but with someone that knew the entire industry. And I was just a good sales kid and ran around doing sales. Yeah. I had learned sales the whole year before I spent my time working for a knife company selling knives door to door. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's again, back to the point, like learn your trade, really hone it. I, I the biggest thing I'd say is spend your twenties learning, even if it is starting your own business, by the way, that's fine, but really double down on the idea of learning and growing yourself because you don't need to be successful. You need to learn, you need to invest in yourself. And that, could include if that learning might include again building a business and maybe you're Mark Zuckerberg and at 18 you build a you know, one of the most successful companies in the world. Yeah. But if you're not, it's okay to chalk it up to learning experiences too. I love that. When it comes to because I, I I'm 20 now and for the 18 20 year olds out there, when you were 20, obviously things were different. Like if if you're looking at someone that's starting a business today and you were to give them some marketing advice from a high level, like what are the first things they need to look for or should know before they dive into it? And obviously there's technicalities and details and it's a, you know, there's a lot of um, depth in this, but from a high level, what would you suggest? A couple of things. One, I, hopefully you can get whatever business you're starting, 
be have enough strategic relationships to be able to get it to about 20 grand in revenue a month before you start just investing in like Facebook ads and Google. Yep. Um, everybody that posts there, like I took this company from zero to 500,000 in revenue in six days is full <laughs> of shit. Like yeah. ask them what happened the next six days. Cause if they were able to grow companies like that, they wouldn't be posting on Facebook. Like successful people don't post these kind of, like, it's just not a thing. Yeah. So it's, be careful what you read about when you're, you know, seeing these posts, et cetera, and know that almost all businesses take time, take real time. And, you know, I don't know how long, how many years it was before Facebook made a dime and it was a pretty overnight success. So just understand that like, you're going to have to put in the time. So make it sustainable, which means you can't just start burning cash from the beginning, unless you're yeah. maybe you come from wealthy background or whatever, but still it's better to like be scrappy about it. And why that's why I say like, whatever you're starting, have enough as a founder, enough strategic relationships or the ability to create them to get to that point where you can generate 20 grand a month in revenue, which is where you start to get, you know, see traction. Like even from our venture fund, yep. we, uh, we wait till they're there to, before we invest. Okay. And if it took a bunch of cash to get there and it's not some high tech, you know, something, then usually it's the wrong founder. Honestly, as a founder, you have to be able to drive revenue yep. because if not, if it always takes cash, there are going to be times where cash gets tight. Every business goes through it and you're going to end up in a problem. Yep. So you got to be able to be scrappy about whatever that is. So I'd say that that hasn't changed. That's now that's then um, the only things that, I mean, when I started a business, I didn't have access. There wasn't Facebook ads didn't exist when I was 20. Um, <laughs> Google ads were still in their nascence. Um, so when I was 20, what year is it? So that would be 2005, 2006, 2006, 2007. Um, yeah. I mean, Facebook had launched. I was on Facebook, but yeah. it was, there were no ads and it wasn't public. And it actually there, and none of our parents were on it. It was college kids still. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it, it just, now you have so many easy ways to reach your audience. The big thing, the reason I say start with getting your own customers is you then can know who to reach because yep. kind of guess and spend a bunch of money doing that is not the way. I love that. Um, last question before we wrap up, Eric. You're talking about strategic relationships and having that, you know, advantage over your competitors. When it comes to networking, this has been something for me that I've been religious about since I was 16 years old, getting out there, networking, building a brand and just, you know, meeting great people so that I can tap into those relationships. What would your advice be for someone that has no network is coming from a small town and they want to go out and build their brand, build their network to have that advantage in the marketplace? Yeah, it's have some value to provide. You're doing it with your podcast. I'm sure, and we don't know each other that well, but I'm sure there's other things you've done for people that make them want to see you, want to introduce you to people, et cetera. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it, it's a cliche, but it's true. Like start with providing value in some way so that people want to be around you because networking for the sake of networking does nothing. That's, yeah. that's where the fallacy comes in. Like you have to build relationships. You have to like do things for people and get, get to the point where you naturally do that and like look for things and ways to help people and your your network will never fall short. Like, yep. you know, for me now, I've built enough of a brand around. I, I know how to market things that I'll give a lot of free marketing advice regularly. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point, they come work with me, or they tell someone else, et cetera. And that, but that, you know, and that's part of it. I also now have a venture fund. I also now know an insane amount of people that I can introduce people to. So that all it all compounds. But in the beginning, it was being really gracious of people that gave me their time and trying to do something for them, even when it was like I had my t-shirt company and was. 24 years old, I'd send them a free t-shirt and say, yeah. thank you. Like just something that makes me go like, that was a good kid. That's, yep. that's important. Love that. 
Um, Eric, where's the best place for everyone to stay in touch with everything that you have going on, listen to the podcast, et cetera? Yeah, any social platform at or slash Eric Huberman. Super easy. Cool. Well, Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I, I definitely got a lot of value myself and I'm sure the audience did as well. Yeah, thank you for having me.